Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Psalm 27. This is a series that we've begun, and I would say right now it's needed in the body, particularly in this body, and we've called the series Overcoming Adversity and Trouble. Overcoming Adversity and Trouble. In the time of trouble, we need to know what we can expect the Father to do. And in the time of trouble and adversity, we need to know what He expects us to do. Amen. How many ever got in trouble, naturally speaking, and ever ran to your dad? And said, uh, Dad, I need $10 in a hurry. Well, you want to wash my car? Yeah, I'll wash your car for you. So you knew that if you washed a car, he gave you the ten bucks. Right? He was in trouble. You know he'd give it to you because you knew your father. But he saw an opportunity to get some work out of you, so he did. <laughs> Amen? Well, why do we think our Heavenly Father is any different, but not in the sense that we're working in that, that sense. But he is, let's put it this way. You cannot read your Bible honestly and be sincere and say that without every promise there is a commandment that we have to meet. There is a condition for the believer. If you'll hearken unto my voice, then shall I remove sickness and disease away from the midst of you. Isn't that what it says? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So, we need to know what the Father... God has told us in His Word that He would do for us in the time of trouble. And we need to know what He expects of us in that same time of trouble. We gave you some scriptures telling what the Father God said in His Word that He would do for us in the time of trouble. And I'm just going to reiterate them very quickly because we already touched this on last Wednesday service. In the 27th Psalm, verse 5, He said, For in the time of trouble... And you need to underline this. You need to know this. Take notes on it. Write it where you can know it. People don't know what to do in a time of trouble. When trouble comes, they're in darkness and chaos and confusion. And then they go, well, now, dear Lord, why don't you help me? Well, probably because you don't know what he said he would do for you in a time of trouble. He said in the time of trouble, he'll hide you in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. In other words, we said he would be to you a refuge. A refuge is a place of shelter or protection in the time of danger. It also denotes a high place. He'll lift you to a high place or a vantage point or a place where you have the authority over your enemy. Now, if, if I may tie in with what I'm saying, the New Testament will begin to relate back and forth to what he's saying here in our position in Christ. He said, I will be to you protection, a refuge in the time of trouble. Also, a vantage point, I'll lift you up to a high place. Now, we've been lifted up in Christ Jesus to sit with Him in heavenly places. And the vantage point that He's talking about is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has lifted us up above the law of sin and death trouble with the believers, they don't understand how to walk in the law of the Spirit of life. The law of sin and death is ruling in the earth. But the law of the Spirit of life is a higher law. And if we'll learn to appropriate that law, I believe the Scripture will be true that He'll lift you to the high places of the earth. You'll walk in the high places. People's, people teach you've got to have valley experiences. On the mountain one day, down in the valley the next day. But the Word of God tells me He'll make straight the path. 
He'll cut down the mountains. He'll fill up the valleys. And you'll walk in the straight and narrow path in the high places of the earth above the law of sin and death. Amen? Alright, now look what he said. In a time of trouble, you need to know this. I, this is what I'll be to you. And the reason you need to know this is because the Word of God tells us in Proverbs 18.10, Many are the afflictions of the Lord, uh, afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them. Out of how many? Okay, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Are you the righteous? Sure you are. But the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Look at um, 34th Psalm. The righteous, verse 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. <coughs> Excuse me. Did you get that? The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth. And delivereth them out of how many? All their what? Beloved, if you came this morning with a trouble, get ready. People like to magnify trouble. But I tell you what, I like to magnify the Lord. Because the Lord said, I'll deliver you out of all your troubles. Someone comes and says, you don't know the trouble I have. Well, praise God, you're in a good position to be delivered. Because the Lord delivereth them out of all their troubles. The problem lies with the fact that people don't know how to get a hold of Him. Well, because basically, as I said, they don't know what He said He'd do for them. Now, in the 91st Psalm, you don't need to turn to these scriptures. We gave them to you once in the 91st Psalm. But for those of you that don't know them, I'll just give them to you. 91st Psalm, you read verses 14 through 16. He says, I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you. I will honor you. So, the Father God says, when trouble comes... I will be with you. And we said, some people think just because trouble came that God went out the back door. And the Father forsook them. But Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But you see, when trouble comes, our feelings change. Now, the person that's, that's, that's on top one day in, in the valley the next day is the person that when trouble comes, he's moved by his feelings. And so because he doesn't feel like God is near, because of all the adversity and the trouble and the darkness and the confusion... He says it must be that he's not near. But we're reassured in God's word that when trouble comes, I will be with you. In the third psalm, he said, In the days that trouble surrounds you as an army, I will be the glory and the lifter of your head. Hallelujah. Now, what is he saying? Well, I don't know about you, but I know that when trouble comes, we have a tendency to put our heads down and let it hang low. Right? I mean, you know, trouble's all around you and you don't know how you're going to get out of it. You feel like you have a spirit of heaviness upon you and your head's down low and you just want to, dear God, dear God, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to get this answer? But he said, I'll be to you the glory and the lifter of your head. He says, I'll cry unto the Lord with my voice and he'll hear me out of his holy hymn. He'll lift us. He'll lift our heads. Then he said over here in um, the 46th Psalm, verse 1, if you don't have it, you better get it. You better write it down. Oh, blessed be God. He said, he said God, but I'm sorry, Mr. Psalmist. He may have been God to you, but he's my father. <laughs> Can you say that with me? He's my father. The father is your refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Are you in trouble this morning? Has trouble surrounded your household or your family or your person? He is very present. He is a very present help in trouble. In the next verse, he said, Therefore will I not fear, though the earth be removed. You ever been left standing in orbit? Have you? You think your trouble's big? Has the earth ever been removed from underneath your feet? You say it may seem like it had. Well, he's saying if it does, don't fear. You think I'm fanatical. This guy. Hallelujah. Even if the earth would be removed from underneath 
He said, I will not fear. And the mountains be cast into the midst of the sea. I will not fear. I won't fear. Why? Because Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, The everlasting God, but I like to say the Heavenly Father, is my refuge, and underneath are His everlasting arms. So although the earth would be removed from beneath me, the everlasting arms of my Heavenly Father uphold me. Hallelujah. See, you didn't know that. But now that you know that, next time trouble comes, you're going to begin to shout and count it all joy. Because you know that the everlasting arms of the Father are beneath thee. Even if the earth is removed away from you. Then, we went on to say in the, the 59th Psalm, and if you want to look at them, you, you may, but in the 59th Psalm and verse 16... Verse 16, the psalmist said, I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. Now, you have to underline this and meditate it. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of trouble. And we, made, we gave you the illustration. Not the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to be your defense in the time of trouble or any of the professional football teams, or any of the armed forces, but the Father God is your defense in the time of trouble. Can you imagine playing ball against that kind of defense? Can you? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and all the heavenly host of angels is on the defense. Anybody want to play against them? I would that's why I joined their team. Glory to God. <laughs> Let's go back to the 27th Psalm. Well, doesn't the Bible say you better count the cost? And when a king sets out to war, he, he counts the cost. And he checks out the troops and finds out whether or not he has enough to defeat the other army. And if he finds out that the other army's got twice as many as he has, he right away sends for a mediator, an ambassador... To go forth and make peace. Beloved, I found out that I was on the wrong team. I was on the devil's team. And so were you at one time. But I found out, blessed be God, when I counted the cost, when I saw the end, I said the Father's team is a lot greater and better. And there's no way the devil can, can defeat God. So I joined his team. And if you haven't joined his team yet this morning, we'll give you an opportunity later, but you better get on the right team because his team will never lose. Now, the first thing we said that the believer is to know is found in verse 1. The Lord is my what? <coughs> the Lord is my what? Light stands for guidance, wisdom, direction, and understanding. In the time of trouble... The believer needs to know that the Father God is his light. I spent some time on this. I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this. And then we're going to go to step two or the next thing you need to know. Simply because this is God's highest way of getting you out of trouble. The light stands for the wisdom of God. If a person is able to flow with the wisdom of God in every situation... In every time of trouble and adversity, then that person will have the upper hand on trouble. But every step that that person makes outside of the wisdom of God will be a step, another step into darkness. And haven't you found yourself doing things in the time of trouble and calamity that later on you said, Boy, if I just would have done it this way, everything would have been a lot better. Boy, if I'd have done this first. Or did that. Or if I didn't do this. Or if I didn't say that. You said, dear God, I'd have been out of this trouble a whole lot quicker. And a whole lot sooner. Well, it was because the light or the wisdom or the knowledge and the direction and the guidance of God was there. But we didn't attach our spirits and our minds to it. We didn't grab a hold of it. We didn't allow it to give us guidance and direction. So we took another step. And that step was not in light. It was in darkness. So you need to remember this. 
There's two ways to go in a time of trouble. You can either walk in the light or you can walk in the darkness. If you don't have the light of God, then I say don't take any step. None. Until you've got yourself separated unto the Lord in His Word and got direction by the Spirit of God. And the wisdom of God could flow up and give you direction in your time of trouble. Now, in uh, Psalm 112, you're in 27, go to 112. The scripture references we gave you, 112 verse 4. Now remember, in 1 Corinthians 10 chapter, remember that Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus and he said that there's no temptation taking you such as, common, as is common to man, but God is faithful and will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the temptation make a way of escape. Right? There's a way of escape. There's a way out of trouble. There's a way out of calamity. But you see, even though it's there, the believer has got to lay hold of it. The believer has got to walk in the line of it. And in the time of adversity, it seems like your head's spinning so fast that you don't know which, which step to take. So consequently, most people lean to their own understanding. And they never find his way out of trouble. Or the way, way out of that temptation. But there is a way for every temptation. Now you need to know that. Remember that. There's a way out. Matter of fact, say it with me right now. In the time of trouble. In the time of calamity. In the time of adversity. In the time of temptation. There is a way out. I know there is a way out. And the wisdom of God will point out to me that way. Now, see, you need to do that right when it comes. If you don't do that, you see, right away, instantly, you'll be on the wrong road, the wrong path. Check out your first reaction when trouble comes. And you'll, you'll find out just... What you're going to do, you're going to either take God's way or you're going to take your own understanding's way. The first reaction when trouble comes. When that bill came to your house and said you owe so much money, what was the first thing that you did? Murmured and complained? How did you first react? Where are we going to get this money? Or did you, before you opened it up, find out how much it really was? Did you say, Thank you, Father God. In the time of trouble and adversity, you are my life. You are my way out. You're present. You're with me. Just show me the way. And then say, I thank you that I walk in the light. Then open up that thing and begin to laugh. Cut it all joy. Now, this is a small example, but we're going to see how these things work as we go along. Now, in the 112th Psalm, this is what you need to confess. Verse 4. Unto the upright, the first part of it, there ariseth light in darkness. Notice the word ariseth. In the time of trouble, there ariseth. Why does it say it arises? See, the light is inside your human spirit. The light or the wisdom of God is in our spirit. It arises to give direction and illumination to our minds. It takes time to wait upon the Lord, but it's there. So you need to say it daily. Or at the time of any adversity, in the time of darkness, there arises to me light in that darkness. In the time of trouble or calamity, there arises a light in the midst of darkness, see, to give me direction. Now that's what the psalmist is saying. In essence. Now, every born-again believer has been lit with the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? Every born-again believer. You and me. We've been lit with the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And Jesus has been made unto us, what? Wisdom. 
The wisdom of God is God's way out of every, every kind of adversity. And in Jesus, in Him, is hid all the treasures of wisdom and what? Knowledge. So listen, this is about where we came to before we closed. In Jesus, there's hid all the treasures or all the deposits of the wisdom of God and of the knowledge of God. And your spirit has been lit with the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in His face. So it's in our spirits. It's in us now. But you need to know something else. Even though it rises up from within you, there's something else you need to know. The psalmist said in 119, 130, the entrance of thy word giveth what? Jesus is in you in the new birth. But the word is only in you who is Jesus as you build his word into your spirit. Now, don't you remember Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Why did he say that? Because the entrance of his word gives what? Now, I think I'd be safe in saying this. The reason why most people don't know how to get out of trouble, and I, I'm just saying it very blunt, is because they don't spend much time in God's word. And it's the entrance of his word that gives light. And they have no light to shine forth in the time of the darkness. Because they have not hid the word in their heart. What did the psalmist say? In 119.105, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a what? Now, I shared this with you a long time ago. Back in biblical times, they would just stick a candle in their sandal. Just enough light to take a step. They'd be on a road of darkness. There might be holes in the road or, you know, whatnot. And they just take one step forward. One, one step forward, they had enough light to see what was around them. Then they put the next step forward and they bring and they put light up there in front of them. They could see the light. It would be like a lamp and a light to their path. Now, on the road of darkness, and when it comes, trouble and adversity and darkness comes, can't you see that if you didn't have a light, you can fall into trouble even deeper? I mean, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death right here. But we're guaranteed that His rod, His word, and His spirit, His staff, they'll comfort us. And He'll lead us in the paths of what? See, the path, the straight and narrow path is the path of righteousness. It's called many different things in the Word of God, but it's called the path of light, righteousness. And every believer needs to have the light of God's Word to direct their path. In Psalm 18, verse 28. You don't have to turn to it, but he said, Thou will light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my, what? Darkness. Sometimes I get going too fast and I give you too many scriptures, so just write it down. Write it down and then you'll be able to, to, to look it up later. But he's, the psalmist said, Thou will light my what? My what? Okay, Psalm 20, 27 says, The spirit of man is the what? The candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the... Thou will light my candle. The spirit of man is the what? The candle of the Lord. So the spirit of man is lit. It's the candle of the Lord. It's been lit with the knowledge of the glory of God. It's all in there. But the entrance of His Word gives light. And in the time of trouble and adversity and darkness the light will arise. First it will come to your mind and then you'll act upon it in the, in the physical sense. So the light of the knowledge of the glory of God will rise up from within you so you can walk in the wisdom of God in your time of adversity or trouble. Amen. Now, let's take a look at John's Gospel. <coughs> The 8th chapter and verse 12, Jesus made this statement and I think we sing about and quote some of these scriptures only 
from our heads or from our minds. And we never really get a clear-cut understanding of what he's saying. In the 8th chapter of John's Gospel, verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in what? Now, the word followeth in the Greek is the word accompanies. It means he that accompanies me or he that walks in the way. To accompany or to walk in the way or in the same way. He that accompanies me, he that walks in the same way I walk, shall not walk in what? Okay, what he's saying is this. Some people thought he just meant if you're just a believer. Well, yeah, I follow Jesus. I made him my Savior. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. What he's actually saying is the person that walks on the same road, does the same things, follows the same light, accompanies my steps, shall not walk in darkness, but the light of life will be directing him. Don't you remember Jesus said, John said in his first chapter, verse 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. That person that's walking with Jesus in the same way is walking in the same light. Now, if Jesus holds all the wisdom and all the knowledge of God within Him and He's in our spirit, and the Gospels dictate to us every move that Jesus made, then by observing the Gospels, can you see how you can walk in the same light that Jesus walked in? Matter of fact, write this down. Just write, just write it like this. Observe all that Jesus did in His earth walk in the time of trouble and you'll know the wisdom of God in the time of your trouble or in the time of my trouble. Observe all that Jesus did in the time of trouble and adversity and you'll know all the wisdom of God in the time of your adversity or the time of your trouble. Did you ever study the Gospels that way? Jesus didn't do all those things just for Himself. Everything He did there, He did by the wisdom of God. You talk about the wisdom of God, you know He never, made one, never said one wrong word? Remember when the woman came to Him that was taken in adultery, they brought her unto Him? Jesus didn't say a word, did he? He just stood back and sat back there and wrote in sand. What was he waiting for? The wisdom of God. Friends, I'll tell you something right now. You know they were checking out his every word so that if he said one wrong word, they would have a, a reason to stone him to death? You tell me you've got a bunch of hounds out there that are watching your every move and your every word to get you to say one word against the law. And if you did, they had legal right to stone you to death. That's what they were doing. But do you know he didn't say one wrong word? Every word he said was the wisdom of God. I started to do that study. I tell you what, I got blessed. He never prayed to the Father for Satan. When Satan confronted him, you know what he did? It is written. That's what he did. He said, it is written, quoted the scripture, and Satan left. He didn't squall. He didn't try to bring the father down. He didn't get all upset and cry. All he did was said, it is written. And the devil left. When he was confronted with ruling religious spirits by the rulers of his day, he spoke to them the wisdom of God. All he did was speak the word to them. And if you watch every move that he made and every step that he took, you know exactly what to do when your adversity comes. I, say, I said it at the beginning of this, this series. God does not change. Satan never changes. Sin will never change. Man only changes in the new birth. It's all the same. Every temptation. As a matter of fact, I'll go this far. Every temptation that came towards Jesus was probably 
Satan's ultimate test to destroy the Son of God. Amen? So anything that ever came his way, you could be assured if it came your way, you had the way out if you follow his steps. Now I'm going to show you that in the Word. Go to John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. <coughs> Jesus said in the 14th chapter... And verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him. Now notice this. And manifest myself to him. Judas didn't understand it and he said, uh, not as scared, he said, Lord, how is it you'll manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? world. Jesus answered said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my what? He will keep my words. If a man loves me, he'll keep my words. And my Father will love him. Now, check this out. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. Now, I'm going to slow that down just for a second. Because you didn't grab a hold of what he said. You need to meditate this day and night. The man that has his commandments and keeps them will be loved of the Father and of Jesus. And Jesus said, I will come to him and manifest myself in whom is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge unto that man. He that hath my sayings and keeps them or my words he it is that loveth me. Now listen. The Father and I will come to Him and will make our abode with Him. In essence, Chuck said at the banquet, at the buffet there, he said, uh, someone said that they'd like to be a mouse in Brother Hagin's house. Brothers and sisters, Jesus just said right there, if you will love him and keep his words like that, you won't have a mouse in your house. You'll have the Father and the Son making their abode where you live. I'm not talking about in you now. Just in you. I'm talking about sitting on the sofa next to you. Up in the bedroom where you sleep. <laughs> Out in the backyard when you're cutting your grass. Jesus said, I'll manifest myself directly to you if you'll keep my commandments and my words. Can you see how high this relationship is and why you need to know that He is first of all your light? Because anything below that is going to be him having to work out the mess that you made when that trouble came. But if you put down that problem and set it aside just for a moment and walked into your bedroom or went, sat down with your wife on the couch and sat down on that couch and said, Honey, a problem has come our way. But fear not. Trouble has come. But though the earth be removed, I will not fear. Besides, God is my refuge and strength. The Father. He's very present. He's here right now. As a matter of fact, honey, He's sitting on His couch with us. And He's very present in our time of trouble. So, let's just sit here and let the light arise from within our spirits. To give direction to our spirits and illumination to our minds. That will walk in this light. Now, are you ready for a scripture? Proverbs 4.18. You're going to love it. Proverbs 
You got it? But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Now let's tie this in. Don't turn to it, but we'll tie it in with 2 Corinthians 3.18. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. But we as beholding as in a glass or a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed from glory to glory day by day, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. When the light comes into our spirits and we begin to follow the steps of light and begin to walk in the light that we have and continue to let that light lead us and direct us and guide us, then the path of your life will get brighter and brighter and shine more and more because the glory of the Lord will shine more and more and more from you until the perfect day when it's a completely burning light. From now until you're changed into that very glory. Exact glory. That's exactly what he's saying. You could look back and if you've been growing in the Lord, you could turn your back, turn around right now and look at your life where you were and where you are. And you know what I could say right now? Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. And somebody else will walk up to you and they don't know, have any understanding of a lot of things like about faith. And you just look at them and you say, Oh, Father God, open up the eyes of their understanding that they may be enlightened. But you walk off and say, I've been enlightened. I mean, you invite them to your house and say, Don't sit there. Jesus is over there. Move on. And they look at you like, You know, boy, this guy's something else. Fanatical. No, but beloved, you'll get to a place in your walk with the Lord that as that path gets shinier and shiner, it's because the glory is, is, is being brighter and brighter and you're being changed more and more unto the perfect day that you walk in that light. Walking in God is walking in the light. If we walk in the light... As He is in the light, the blood will act as a continual, perpetual cleansing of all the sin of the flesh in such a manner that you'll be manifesting the very light of God and the wicked one cannot touch you. That's how you keep yourself from sin. And the wicked one toucheth you not. You talk about trouble going out the back door, when it comes up against that light, it'll turn the other way. That's what he's saying here. But it's found in his word. And that's why I said, Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way, see, the way you're walking in, prosperous, you have good success. Anybody have the Amplified Translation of that? Anybody here have that? <clears throat> Shout it out. Uh, and I'll repeat it. Anybody, whoever has it, shout it out. Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. Shout it out. Go ahead. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night. That you may observe. And do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you shall deal wisely when? <coughs> then you shall deal wisely and have good success. And one says, and you shall deal wisely in the affairs of life. 
Right there. Believers have got to meditate the Word day and night, and the Word cannot depart out of their mouth. I have expressed that over and over and over, and will reemphasize it again and again and again. The Word, the Word, the Word, the Word is God. Amen? And when the Word is in your mouth and in your heart, you'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. You'll deal wisely in the affairs of life. In all that you do. Now, let's go, to, let's go back to the second chapter of Proverbs. And let's compare let's compare what he's saying here with what he says about the fellow that will not walk in the light. Let's look at first of all verse one. My son, if you will receive my what? And hide my commandments with you, so that you incline your ear unto what? And apply your heart to what? Yea, if thou cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as for silver, and search for her as for hid treasures, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. Say that with me. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. I am the righteous. Say it. And He has stored up sound wisdom for me. And the reason why I'm emphasizing this is because this will stop the calamity. This will steal the avenger. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. You'll operate the wisdom of God. Amen. Look at the fourth chapter, verse 18 and 19 again, and then we'll go off to the second step. Let's read 19 first. The way of the wicked is as what? They know not at what they stumble. See, people walk in darkness and they begin to stumble, but they don't know what they're stumbling over because when you're in darkness and you don't see things that are in front of you, you trip. And it's sad to say this, but the life of many believers are the same way. When darkness comes, they just begin to stumble and to fall. And they don't, know where they're go- they don't know what they're falling over. I don't know what I did wrong. What in the world is going on? And this and that. It's because they can't get to the wisdom of God. But in verse 18 now. But the path of the just is as a shining light. Look at the comparison. The path of the wicked is as darkness who stumbles and falls. And doesn't know where he's going. But the path of the righteous is as a shining light which is getting brighter and brighter and it's growing more and more under the perfect day. Now, sometimes the light or the wisdom of God in a time of adversity would just be to keep your mouth shut. Did you know that? Jesus did that there with that woman. But sometimes in trouble and adversity, now this one, this this is a good one. I'm trying to figure this one out yet. I've been thinking about it and meditating on it. I still want to know how he did it. But remember when they took Jesus to the brow of the hill to throw him off the hill, off the cliff? Because they got mad at him? Would you say that was trouble? Would you say that Jesus was in trouble right then? He walked through the midst of them. Jesus walked right through the midst of them. He was so clothed in the glory of God that he knew how to keep his mouth shut. And just turn and walk right through the midst of his adversaries. Without retaliating. Somebody comes and grabs the, you know, back of your shirt and begins to throw you off to the hill. Are you going to resist them or let them do it? Jesus just let them do it. 
took him to the edge of the cliff, looked off the edge of the cliff, and turned right around and walked right onto the midst of him. Beloved, that's wisdom. But you see, some of us, we, we, we want to get deliverance, and I thank God for it, because the faster it comes, the better it is. But the wisdom that Jesus had was this. They cannot take my life. I lay down my life of my own accord. Nobody taketh it from me. And so he just went on with them to the edge of that cliff. Looked over. Someone says, he, they looked down off that cliff and says, if they didn't him off that cliff, he'd have died. But he stood there and turned around. Now they had the power to take him to the cliff. But he knew they couldn't kill him. He turns around and walks right through the midst of them. That's the wisdom of God. Sometimes you, you got to your cliff and thought you was going to fall off. But right at the nick of time, the Lord delivered you. Amen? And you know, sometimes it seems like we're at, right at the edge of that cliff before help comes. But beloved, if you know the Word of God, I don't care, as the psalmist said, if the earth is removed and you're out there in no man's land, the Lord is there and His arms are underneath you. I believe we could stand in the Word of God and having done all to stand to a place that if everything around us has fallen apart, that the Lord our God by His Word will see to it that we have still good success. But just don't panic when you're getting dragged out of the city. Just flow with the wisdom of God. Number two, the psalmist said in chapter 27, verse 1, The Lord is my salvation. He is my light. He is my salvation. Let's go back and just take a quick look at it. <clears throat> because these go hand in hand. He didn't just write this so we could sing the song, The Lord is my light and my salvation. How many of you know that? Now listen to me. I think sometimes we get a, a nice songs and we sing them and all they become to us are songs. Oh, and that nice song? Yeah, that was really nice. And that beautiful? Oh, it's so lovely. Yeah. But did you know all that was in the first part of that song, The Lord is my light? We spent almost two services and we haven't really touched the fact the Lord being your light. We only gave you some help. Now the Lord is my what? All right, the Lord, he said. Now, the word salvation, as you all know, is an all-inclusive word. It denotes preservation, soundness, deliverance, safety, healing, and wholeness. <clears throat> Did you get all that? It denotes all those things. Preservation, <clears throat> soundness, healing... Wholeness, deliverance. Now, <clears throat> he said, the Lord is not only my light, my direction and my guidance, but he's also my deliverance. Let's go to the book of Romans. Now, first of all, let's go to the book of Exodus first, then we'll go to the book of Romans. In the 14th chapter of the book of Exodus... You need, to, you need to write this down. You need to unwrite in your Bible. You need to take notes. Let me suggest this. If you're not taking notes, and if you're not writing these things down, you better buy the tapes. I mean that. You can't let this information slip by you. Because this is vital in your walk with the Lord. Especially vital when trouble comes. As a matter of fact, if you learn how to do this when trouble comes, you won't have to be calling somebody on the phone and saying, what am I going to do now? Look at Exodus, the 14th chapter, and we'll read verses 13 and 14. And Moses said unto the people, circle the phrase, fear ye not, stand still and see the what? Of the Lord, which He will show you to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now stop right there for a moment. You're going to have to meditate that for a while, especially when I say this. This is the second fold of their deliverance. The first part of their deliverance came 
when they were delivered from the bondage of Egypt, which is a type of our being delivered from the bondage of darkness. Let's connect the two. The word salvation also denotes an immediate deliverance through the new birth from satanic forces. Okay? I mean, when you got born again, you were saved. We call that salvation. You were delivered from the power of darkness and translated to the kingdom of His Son, right? Egypt's bondage there, when Israel got delivered from it, is a type of your salvation being born again. Okay? Delivered from their bondage. Well, that's the first meaning of the word salvation. But, here now, the enemy is on pursuit. And the devil's been chasing you ever since you got born again. How many of you know that? He's been after you ever since you got delivered. To try to destroy you. Look what he said. Stand still. And see the salvation. Your salvation. He delivered you from the power. Now he's delivering you from the Egyptians. And you'll... Now let's take it this way. You've been delivered from Satan. From his dominion. Now stand still. And watch your salvation. Because those demons and those imps. And those evil spirits. You'll see them no more. That's hounding you every day of your life. Stand still. And watch your salvation. And know it. And they'll, they won't, they'll, be, they'll be lost in the water, which is a type of the Word. And the Word will bury them and destroy them in your life, just like the Egyptians drowned in the sea. And we're no, no longer a threat to, the, to Israel. Amen? Now, that's what he's saying. So, the twofold meaning of salvation is found even in the Old Testament in, its, in their deliverance, which is a type of ours. But now go to Romans, the 10th chapter, and I want to show you. Well, he said the Lord will fight for you. But I want to show you that you need to know how to appropriate this deliverance or this salvation. First of all, you've been delivered from the forces of darkness. That's already understood. That's already done. You've been delivered from Satan's kingdom and his power. In other words, you're out of Egypt. You're out of there. But Satan's been on your tail ever since to try to put destruction in your pathway. But the Lord said, stop running, stand still, and see your salvation. Romans, the 10th chapter, is going to explain it. But before I give you that, I want you to just write this down. In the 91st Psalm, verses 14 through 16, we're told that if we set our love upon Him, He will deliver you. One. That first deliverance, I told you as I meditated on that, was the deliverance from the bondage of Satan. But, He said, I will also set you on high because you know my name. I'll exalt you, set you on high. Our vantage point. Then I will be with you in trouble and... What? Deliver you. Why is there a twofold deliverance there? I will deliver you initially from the power of darkness... And when trouble comes, I will what? Be with you and deliver you. Do you see the twofold deliverance? Twofold deliverance? Okay. Now in Romans the 10th chapter, start with verse 8. I want to know how he is with me. I want to know how he is present in my time of trouble. Okay, here it is. What saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith that we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart men believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made 
<coughs> under what? Under what? Alright, now. How did you get saved or born again? By confessing Jesus as your Lord. Is that true or is that false? You got delivered from His kingdom by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Why? Because the Word was very nigh you. In other words, you were in trouble. The trouble that you were in at that time was that you were going to hell. Amen? But in that time of trouble, the Lord said, I am present. How was He present? Somebody came and told you about Jesus. You believed the Word in your heart and you spoke it with your mouth. With the heart man believes, with the mouth your confession is made unto what? And when you did that, what happened? You were delivered from darkness. Translated into light. Now, are you ready? The word salvation there means preservation, soundness, wholeness, healing, deliverance. You got delivered first of all by the confession of your heart and of your mouth. God's operation and God's word system is in, was in operation in your life. Now, the way you're going to get delivered from your trouble is by realizing that God is your salvation. And His order of delivering you is to stand still. Don't look up and say, Lord, are you going to help me? Send Christ down. And don't look down and say, Father, send Christ up. No. He's a very present help in trouble to deliver you. He's with you and will deliver you. But He's in your mouth and He's in your heart. That's exactly why the Scriptures tell us to believe and confess. Because the Father God no longer has a veil separating Him from our presence. There's no longer a veil of darkness separating us from the Father God. All we've got to do is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth we are delivered. Then when trouble comes, He's still present. Not way off somewhere, 100 miles away. But I am very present, He said. I am in your mouth. I am in your heart. I am in my word. Jesus is not just up in heaven and didn't just come up from, a, from below. But Jesus is in your where? So what he said was this. If my word abides in you and it's living in your heart, I am living in my word. What brought that word into your heart? When you accepted Christ. And the entrance of the Word gives more light. So he says, all you need is in your heart. If you'll believe that and then confess it, confession is made unto what? Deliverance. Now I'm going to stop here just for a second. There's a lot of people that do not believe in confession of God's Word. They don't believe it. But if you'll sit tight and listen... And I'm not just saying to one of these messages. If you'll listen to all these teachings, you'll have to either lie or be ignorant of the fact that God's Word teaches positive confession of His Word for deliverance. Read it again. What does it say? If you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth, thou shalt be what? What saved me? Sozo. Delivered, healed, preserved. Think about it. Now, in order for the psalmist to know that he was my salvation, he had to understand the operation 
of that salvation. In order for you to know how to be delivered in your time of trouble, you'll have to understand God's operation of His Word system in the heart and mouth for salvation. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.